welcome to Changing Academic Life. I'm Geraldine Fitzpatrick, and this is a podcast series where academics and others share their stories, provide ideas, and provoke discussions about what we can do individually and collectively to change academic life for the better. So welcome to this short podcast at the beginning of 2020. And apologies up front for a bit of a croaky voice, just getting over a flu, typical Northern Hemisphere flu season. And at the beginning of 2020, we're actually seeing some horrendous events going on around the world. In particular, I just want to take a moment at the beginning just to acknowledge the the devastation going on in Australia at the moment with all of the white bushfires. It's so heartbreaking. This is really just an unprecedented scale. So for all of you who are in Australia, sending out love and thoughts at this time. And if anyone is inclined to donate, I'll add a link on the webpage where there are some donation points that you can choose from. In starting this year as well, I also want to thank you for your support, Um, particularly over the last year or two. It's been really invaluable and the feedback that you give really makes a difference to me in feeling like the effort, and it is quite a substantial effort in spare time that goes into this, is worthwhile. And um, Also recognise that I've not been able to put in the effort that's been needed in the last year just because there's been so much else going on. So I think we managed to get out about seven podcasts this year, uh, and in 2018 we put out 12. A lot of these are captured relatively opportunistically, as I know I'm going to meet people at conferences or um, meeting them in some other way, or they might be coming and visiting Vienna. Uh, but still also trying to keep an eye on the diversity of people in terms of experience and backgrounds, career stage, sort of institution they're at, sort of work people do. As ever, I always find people's stories incre- incredibly humbling and inspiring, full of insights, and there's always something that I take away uh, to think on it for my own situation. And from the feedback that I get from lots of you, I th- you know, you also seem to find that there are lots of really good insights. So I want to thank the people who so generously agree to sit down and be vulnerable and, and share their experiences so honestly over these last couple of years. One thing that's also struck me as well, though, is how many more stories I hear once um, we stop recording. And you know, there are often really good reasons for this, of course, where people aren't able to share these stories in a public setting. Uh, it may be institutions that they're working at or people that may become identifiable. But it has reminded me that all of our colleagues, um, all of us have really amazing stories to tell. And also that some of these stories that people can't share publicly, many of us probably also have similar sorts of stories and need, these are the stories where people particularly need support and care and encouragement. So I just encourage us to look out for who we're working with and to connect with people on a deeper level so that we can be the support for one another and, and help navigate the, the challenges and joys of the work that we're doing. Uh, 
So it's been a busy couple of years for various reasons from my side. Uh, in 2018, I spent much of it on sabbatical. Some of that time was in Australia. And then coming back, uh, a big focus was organising um, with a wonderful colleague, Steve Brewster, and an amazing, huge team of co-organisers, uh, the main conference in our research area. The conference is called CHI, and that happened in May. It was an enormous amount of work, but also incredibly rewarding and um, really great to be able to sort of serve the community in this way. Uh, there was also some particularly challenging aspects of it, though, and some of it was that around some of the discussions that I think are happening in the broader community and, and enabled by social media as well. And that was just trying to navigate the balance between recognising that we're not perfect communities and that we always have room to grow and develop, wanting to support and recognise people who've never felt as included or represented or supported as they probably should be, and allowing spaces for their voices and experiences to be heard, and also trying to recognise and respect and support the people, the volunteers who are working on our organising teams who put in an enormous amount of care and effort into trying to create these sorts of events for, for their peers. So it's um, been a real learning experience in how to enable and support people speaking truth to power that really gives space for people's pain and experiences to be heard to do it in a constructive way, and more importantly, to constructively respond to this. And I've been thinking about how can we have more and conversations? So not counterpointing, but building on and recognising that there are some things that are working well, and we have come you know, a good way on a journey. Um, and there are also some things that are not working so well. And it would be great if in the next iteration, we could do particular things to make these issues better. Uh, reflecting this sort of attitude, I ended up writing an open letter to the peer community on the back of some particular issues that had generated lots of social media discussion and quite a lot of pain and hurt all around. Uh, and it generated a lot of feedback and support, a lot of it positive, and also some people who felt like I was trying in some way to shut down their voice, which was not my intention at all. So this is a learning journey, I think, um, and it's still something that I'm reflecting on about how to do it in the best way. The other thing that's been going on in the last couple of years was that I finished off in my spare time a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology and Coaching Psychology, and doing it as a distance learning student at UEL. It was actually my sanity saver. Uh, especially because earlier there were quite a lot of issues going on from work and it was just so important being able to go and lose myself in the studies for this course on issues that I'm really passionate about and care about, which is developing and growing people and helping people realise their potential. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and I think I said at the last reflection two years ago that you know, starting to run a lot of early career workshops and we've been adding more workshops around topics of leadership to that and, and on very specific topics as well. 
And this degree program has been brilliant for providing the research evidence base behind a lot of the things um, that I can offer in these workshops. Um, I've also been doing lots of court talks and keynotes, which I love doing. And one in particular that I can just draw attention to is was uh, one for the ACM Women's Conference in Greece, where I could talk about some of the issues that are particularly important to me. And the title of the talk was on super chickens, superpowers, and small actions with a big impact. So I can provide a link to the talk of that um, if anyone's interested. It's online. So as for some of my personal reflections for 2019, I'm becoming increasingly aware that I only have a few years left to work and we have fixed retirement ages at the university where I work. And this has been really interesting in helping to sharpen and focus my attention on what difference I want to make in the world and how do I want to use the time and access and opportunities that I have left in my current role to make that difference. And I find that that's leading me to make different choices at the moment. And I know I'm in a very privileged position to do that at the end of my career. Um, but I also think that there are some versions of this that we can do at any stage in our career because what's been helping me think about and make those choices is identifying what there's this lovely German term called Rotafaden, red thread, identifying what are the red threads across my careers? What are the sorts of activities or roles or uh, contributions that I've been able to make over the years that I've really cared about and that have really mattered. <clears throat> and I say careers because I have had many different careers, you know, starting off doing social work, um, then deferring and falling into nursing, um, being in charge of operating theatres, outpatients, departments and various other departments for a while at, at a relatively young age, um, training to be a midwife, uh, setting up a private practice with some great colleagues as one of the first private midwifery, as the first private midwifery practice in our state where we lived, um, going and doing computer science, as you do, um, staying on doing a PhD, but uh, doing something in a very sort of traditional computer science department that was trying to bridge computer science and the social sciences, which was a bit radical at the time. And uh, working in industry, working in research organisations, and then in, you know, the last years in uh, more traditional academic roles. Now, if I look across all those, uh, they've actually been in very different sectors. Um, I've, I've played a whole lot of different formal roles. But if I look across them, I can see that there's the same sorts of things that have played out regardless of the titles. And they, they, they're things like taking a concern for the perspe perspectives of, I don't know, people on the ground for some want of some better way of framing it, of, um, of whether that's uh, setting up at the school council in high school because students needed a voice in in running the school or uh, setting up the private midwifery practice 
to enable women's more women-centered care, taking more of a people-centered perspective when it comes to thinking about technology and so on. And the other strong thread that I see throughout has also been a concern for creating positive in, you know, environments for people to grow and develop and Again, whether that's sort of in the operating theatre, sitting down with each of the people in the team and saying, you know, what are you currently working on? What would you like to be able to do? And how do we set up a training plan for you to be able to move into those new um, roles? Or uh, supporting training midwives or um, you know, the work that we do day to day with students and and colleagues you know in our academic roles running the workshops that I talked about these are the things that I orient to regardless of the label of the career or the sector and I think it's interesting to be able to reflect back on your career to help identify where are those moments where you find your energy and where you're prepared to put in the time and effort because it's something that you care about and in whatever role, formal role we're currently doing, how do we create space and opportunities to do more of those things? Because they're the things that matter to us. They're the things that we're often good at. Um, and they're the things that make us get out of bed and come to work each day. And I'm a strong believer in the fact that often in our roles, there's, regardless of what's in the in the formal definition, role definition, there can be room and scope to shape the work that we do in this way. And there's some research that suggests that we actually don't need a lot of this good stuff in our working week for it to make a difference. I think if I remember correctly, it was something like if, if we can 20, have 20% of our work really being connected to these things that we love to do, that can make a big difference. But the other thing I've been really reflecting on for 2019 is that it's not enough just to have the luxury of being able to make some selective choices about what I focus on in terms of what I love to do, um, but that I still have to recognise I only have limited time. And I didn't look after my future self as well as I needed to. And there were times when, you know, I had too many commitments back to back and I would sort of think, why did I say yes to this? Because I need to get much better at actually documenting and planning in the time it needs to prepare for something and travel to something, um, as well as just the day, I don't know, giving the talk or doing the thing. So, and I know that there are some colleagues of ours who have spoken on this podcast. I know that Anna Cox and Amy Cohen, in particular, have been and are being very deliberate in trying to to really capture this effort and factor that into their decision making. So that's something I want to get better at in this next year. So that's the end of reflections for 2019. Wishing you a great 2020. May you find some time to connect to the things that you really care about. May you find time to honour all areas of your life, not just work. May you do great work, have great friends, have lots of fun. 
and I look forward to bringing some more conversations with our colleagues in the new year. You can find the summary notes and related links for this podcast on www.changingacademiclife.com. You can also subscribe to Changing Academic Life on iTunes and now also on Stitcher. And you can follow Change ACAD Life on Twitter. And if something connected with you, please consider sharing this podcast with your colleagues so that we can widen the conversation about how we can do academia differently. 